Welcome to So Farscape. A Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a fresh-faced first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this is The, the story, story So Farscape. Farscape. Oh, we did it right that yeah, time. Yeah, fantastic. Go. All right, so The Story So Farscape. Yes. We have the American astronaut John Crichton. Who is still failing to do what he says in the intro. Look for a way home. <laughs> yes, he has. he's still not tried. No, nope, he's like, not done anything. In the first episode, he sort of asked, hey, do you got any maps? And then nobody said anything. And, and he's d- it's not come up again. You have uh, star charts. We have Dargo, the Luxon warrior, Tentacles, yes. as you called him. We mm-hmm. have Zan, the, uh, uh, the, the pacifist priestess. Eren, the peacekeeper warrior, on the run from her own people. Yes. I mean, the guy's crazy anyway, as we hear about in the uh, intro. Oh, the time. insane military the commander, commander yeah. who is like, yeah, I mean, he would like see whatever she did as defection, even though it was really involuntary on her side. He pulled some bureaucratic nonsense, like, oh, there are strict guidelines about exposure yes. to aliens. Oh, that was it. You've been irreversibly contaminated, remember? Irreversibly contaminated. It's a little bit Japanese, isn't it? When you go out into the West uh, for too long, then you're like, you'll never make it very high up in the hierarchy anymore. At least oh, that's wow. the way how it used to be. It's like if you you had got contaminated by you've the got, West. And you've got gaijin kudis. Pretty much, yes. I mean, you could still like be something, but you, you would never be CEO again because like, you know, you'd been like too exposed yeah. to, the, uh, to the foreign ways of thinking, I suppose. Well, speaking of uh, uh, reattaining your previous status, that's the problem that Rigel has. He's the he's the Hynerian who yes. has been deposed from his uh, his seat as dominant to over six hundred billion people. Though I still wonder how much of that was for reals and how much of that was just in his mind. And See, it wasn't just me, right? Yeah, no, it's like, it could still be bullshit. But I mean, even then, it was like 100 years ago already, I think 100 cycles yeah. or something that they mentioned. I was deposed over 100 cycles ago. Very good. You've been um, paying attention. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're watching this too. Uh, I know, but I watched it in the in the in the nineties, and I had to rely on forums and everything to get me this level of geekery. That you've well, been. Uh, no, I'm very impressed. You said he was a geek after last week's when the head noodle heads were like giving Crichton. Uh, <laughs> Space vision. Sorry, future visions. Yes, that's right. It's not space this time. It was time. Which caused for a very confusing episode. I mean, they, they pulled it together pretty well. It's a bit of a staple of sci-fi shows, right? right? The, the time loop episode. Right. But it was done very well. It's like you're sitting there wondering, okay, this could be actually what's going on, especially yeah. at first. First first few times you go like, oh, you, you get a little bit caught off guard by the fact that like, oh, it's just a vision. And then after right, a while... Right, because it could be psychic as well. Right. So I was, I was going to have some transitional material that this this week's episode is also kind of about a time loop, when you think about it. I, in a yeah. way, yes. But not but, a literal one. But before we get to this week's episode, I kind of want to address like what you what you said, like Crichton has not taken any, any pains to really find a way home no. at this point. But none of them have a plan. You got a plan? Plan? Did you say plan? What plan? What are you talking about? Reverse course. We leave here now. No, this is very true. They're kind of just coasting and like just doing Planet of the Week at this point. Yeah. And they're just like making our way in, what was it called again? The The Uncharted Territories. The Uncharted Territories. Uncharted Territories, that was it. And like, how do they choose where they go? I guess away from Peacekeeper Territory, but... Are they looking for a home? Are they just waiting for... What are for... they looking for? They don't seem to be wanting for anything on the ship. I mean, although the food seems to be particularly bland. All I have to eat is food cubes. Maybe it's just like uh, like Grand Theft Auto. They're just waiting for the, the space stars to die down until uh, they can just... yes. For the heat level to go down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of heat level going down... Oh, yeah. We have a... V- Cute opening shot of Crichton like hiding in the rafters of the ship <laughs> yes. with Dargo furiously looking for him, standing right, right behind on. him. Yes, right on. and it's like a, it's it's one of those sort of punch and Judy moments where he's right behind you. Oh uh, no, he isn't. And one of the poor scuttlebots gets it from uh, Tentacles. Oh yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for that. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you observed that earlier. Like that's how you show that someone's really evil if they kick one of the DRDs. <laughs> Was that necessary? It felt good. They're in a lot of danger this episode, the DRDs. Well, so well, this episode is thank God it's Friday again, episode one hundred and six, and it's the it's the last of the the pod episodes because I, I, I told right. you about this. Previously, yeah, yeah. They do they do two episodes at a time. So last week was uh, was Rowan uh, Rowan Woods, and this week was Rowan Woods. Yeah. So they were trying one more set. Okay, we'll do two more, and then we'll have we'll have them in sequence instead okay. of doing like one director does the odd ones and one director does mm-hmm. the even ones. Um, and so you can you can sort of feel. Uh, that it's a lot more coherent in terms of like 
tempo and yes. and and like look. And I also noticed that Zahn gets to go on the planet this time. And yes. it's Erin who most spends most of her time on the ship, or a lot of the time at least, because the heat level is too high. Aren't you hot? Oh yes, she's yeah. like has a heatness problem. I forgot about that. You'd think that if they wanted to stay away from the peacekeepers, they'd just find space Dubai. Or, you know, yes. Addis Ababa or and whatever. Then just, and like, just find some sort of cool-down vest for her to wear. And, constant, uh, oh, no, that, okay, yeah, so maybe that's not ideal for her, but, yeah. well. In the you, coldness of space, okay, in, in coldness of space, the biggest problem is getting rid of heat. So, again, like, you know, the peacekeepers might not be particularly suited to that because their ships have to be, like, ex- extra well-cooled because they can't okay, run the risk of, yeah. uh, you know, having How? a little bit of overheating. Maybe that's really not such a problem once you've got, like, a hetch drive and, and true, all the other sort true. of cool science that they've uh, that they've got. I mean, science is a big theme this episode. There is, it is. Um, uh, uncommonly so. And Okay, so at first, the scene, it confused me a little bit because we had Dargo looking for Crichton because he yes, was in very his... very good. Keep us on track. So because we start with, with Dargo just stomping around, uh, uh, yelling for Crichton. And like it's it's a beautiful shot where we, we zoom out from Crichton's scared face, as you say, in the rafters, and then Dargo stomping around him, and then panning out to see Farscape One uh, uh, while he's being recorded by uh, uh, by various DRDs, and right. then Dargo like flips out and. If if I can't find Crichton to smash him up, we don't know what Crichton's done at this no. point. Then I'll then I'll smash something else, and one of the scuttlebots gets it. Yes, and then it cuts to a scene where we see the same ranting um, housemates meeting. Housemates meeting. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, and and we have a we have a holographic head of Dargo on the table that they're all just looking at over and, and over and over as he's. Which seems to be particularly interesting, and they they comment on how Crichton's been hiding on the ship. You were wise to hide as you did, John. Yeah. For three days. Because apparently Dargo is having his battle rage, berserker rage, whatever it is called. Yes, Luxon hyper rage that is was what it. it's called. It's Luxon hyper rage. It doesn't just go away. And and it ends when he mates or kills someone. Right, and I love the smirk on uh, Spanky Browse's face when he's <laughs> when it's mentioned about killing someone. Because <laughs> yeah. Crichton asks, like, okay, so it's directed at other males. Uh, Rigel's a male. Mm, I think, sort of. Why, why isn't he, like, why isn't he, maybe he doesn't see him as competition? Yeah. No, he knows better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rigel has another few very uh, snazzy lines in that regard in this yeah. episode, where he gets to show of his perceived superiority. So does Aaron, who who establishes, like, she is a species supremacist. Like, she, she, she talks is. about, like, sebation superiority. I am, however, what I have always been, and that is superior. We find ourselves among another uh, a cousin species because they're they're in orbit of a, of a planet where uh, yes. Dargo has gone down to the planet to find Crichton or to do what? It's completely unclear why he has gone there, but apparently he's been down there for a bit. You've got to imagine, you've got to wonder how big Moya is. This is an awfully big ship. Don't I know it? And apparently, pilot doesn't like have a PA system because. He landed three days ago, and Crichton has been unable to be found by anyone. For those three days, yes. We couldn't find you to tell you. Which I guess is, I mean, it's a good sign that Moya doesn't have cameras in the toilets, because otherwise Pilot would have been, or... I oh, suppose. Maybe they do. Yeah. And Crichton's been making his own arrangements. None of these well, are very appealing no. thoughts. I just peed in the maintenance bay. So uh, they have to deal with the fact that, uh, uh, that Dargo is gone, and, well... I don't know exactly why they feel no. like they have to go and pick him up. I'm pretty sure they'd suggested just to leave him there, but for some reason, Crichton especially seems disinclined to leave Dargo behind. Yes, it's Crichton. I mean, Erin yeah. just wants her prowler back. Yes. Which, hey, how Dargo was able to steal it in the first place? Well, I assume that he's been given controls or... Why would she? True. I mean, like Cheryl, they're a crew now. Maybe they like work together. I think that would be very difficult for her. Yeah. Like she comes from like military discipline. True, I don't true, think true. Oh, yes, this introduces us to the first shot of Moya's actual transport pod. It was a different transport pod than the uh-huh. one we've seen in the previous two episodes, which is sort of the, 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 the bullet pod with the with the skids. This one has more of Moya's sort of ribbing on oh, the outside. Yes, it's yes, still yes. sort of copper-plated. Yeah. I particularly liked that, as you saw the shot of it leaving Moya, like it reversed and then it turned like it was backing out of the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> so down on the planet of the uh, ski hat people, uh, I mean... <laughs> no. 
Hold on, hold on. You're going to have to run that by me a okay. few times. So you know, like back in people. the 80s, or sorry, in the 90s or in the noughties, like there was yeah. this typical thing of ski hat, which was like was like a headband. Yeah, uh, like a and sweatband. On, and on top of that was like a mop of fake hair. It was either dreadlocks or uh, just like a, a bunch of spiky That's hair. fake hair? It was like, it, it meant to look like you were you had a head of hair that you didn't have and you were wearing a headband. Hair, whatever. And it's just like something that all this these people here were wearing. amazing to me. I had no idea that this yeah, was a no, thing. This, it's still a bit of a thing. You can still see them in ski resorts and stuff. And it's like, it looks like someone's so wearing like a headband a and dreadlocks. And no, it's just, it's, just a head, it's just a hat that they're wearing. And these people were all over that. They all have the same spiky, dreadlocky, white hair. Hey, a whole new and- world has just opened up for me. <laughs> this is wonderful. Because I'm a, I'm a big hat guy. And like, I like my, my curly hair. But if I could have spikes just... just yeah. oh, I didn't know that was an option. And it comes in different colors. And in, in, in this planet's all white. And everybody wears red red and everybody's looking a little bit happy and dreamy and like yeah. sexy smiles at each other including dargo which was very disconcerting yeah i would say we see him laugh for the yeah, first time he's got this coy little grin on his face and he's, he's just got like, a, oh hi he's got a lovely laugh <laughs> yeah. i've got to say and he's and he's wearing like fresh pajamas yes um which was hard to tell because they're maroon just like his own his own uniform right i didn't catch on to that at first either so they land on this on this planet and they follow like the stream of people to i guess a nightclub where they like to play bangra what's bangra it's like a it's like an Indian sort of, uh, sort oh, of dance right. music. It's like a nightclub, and the drink stations are just like hoses at which people like come yes, one again, like take a few gulps, sort of taking their turn. Bangra bongs. Oh, that was a very good one. <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah. they see they see all these people, and they're and they're sort of red skinned. Uh, Crichton observes that hey, they're Sebastians, right? They're Sebastians. Like they look yeah, like yeah. us. Oh yeah, so like the kissing cousins. Oh yes, they may be distant genetic cousins there yes. again, and oh, kissing cousins maybe. Well, there was a lot of kissing. Well, there, there was actually <laughs> there was a lot of kissing lot going of on, kissing, but it was like yeah. a lot of implied kissing going on. Let me put it like that. You're right. You're right. It's one of those '90s sci-fi. Oh, the planet of the sexually liberated people, where we show them just smiling at each other, right, but while I, being sexy, I mean, but not actually. I mean, the okay, the whole vibe skin. immediately for me was like, is this the planet of the brain drain drugs? You know, especially with yeah. the, with, with the hoses and everything, and everybody being so like, uh, you couldn't onto that really quick. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is this is the Lotus Eaters, right? Right from uh, the Twelve Labors of was it Hercules or was it Odysseus? Oh, uh, I don't Odysseus. remember. I'm not I'm not very good in my classics. Dine on a lotus, and then you lose all your trouble. Have all these have this good food. So you were really clocked into how this episode was going to go from a very early point. I think like uh, Dargo gave it away for me most, like the, right. the, his like immediate change of heart, and not just like giving up on his hyper rage, but immediately like just being like all pleasant and sexy smiles. <laughs> It's so very good to see you. <laughs> Which is like so out of character for Dargo. <laughs> yes, he's got the he's got the dumb like, sort of uh, grin on it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of out of character, like this is the world gone gone topsy turvy. Because I remember it, when it was my turn watching it for the first time, I didn't clock in on any of this. Like I thought maybe this was just how hyper rage goes. I mean, even even Crichton observes this is the end of hyper rage. I get hugged to death. <laughs> yes. Oh, when he gets smacked down by uh, Dargo yeah. at first. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't have an idea what was going on. Now, it was 1999, and I had never had drugs before. Oh, yes. I so, mean, that makes sense then. That may have been a factor. And Dargo's got himself a girlfriend. D- girlfriend's plural, I would say. Oh, I mean, everybody's very friendly towards each other, but there's like seems to be one that he's like keen to take home with. Yeah, they are They are sort of eye-f***ing each other across the, oh, across the bar. But then again, everybody's eye-f***ing each other here. It seems to be like the big celebration because uh, tomorrow is the rest day. A rest day. A rest day. A rest day. Yes, they've and, ended the work cycle and yeah. they're having a big old rager. And everybody's having a good time and tomorrow's the day off. And uh, Well, not everybody's having a good time. There is one person there who seems well, to be sort of faking it. She's a, she's a woman in white. Right. And she's unlike the rest of the people on, on Sycar. Like, she's got white skin. Yeah. Oh, actually, I say that. And now mm. I'm looking at a, at a picture of her. Her two guards, the sort of craftwork devos with the, with the red goggles. <laughs> yes. they, they looked so familiar to me. I was like, I'm, I'm, I was trying to picture them. What what do they remind me of? And it still hasn't occurred to me what it is, but there's something I know that, exactly what you mean. That, so they've got the, the, the black cowls and they've got like red visors. Yes. And like, I was going like devo, craftwork, like something they, they, something they, in that way. They look like they're bishops from a chess set. You know, that's, yeah. that's exactly what they look like. And then of course, we've they look got like the, the le- little Lego spacemen that you had for a while yeah, with a the red bit, yeah. the helmets. And then of course, there's the Wraith Borg Queen. 
Okay, so you've no, you mentioned that you recognise a few actors, and that may have been because you're, you you your household watched Australian soap operas. Possibly? I guess I mean the only Australian soap opera I ever watched was Flying Doctors. So, so this 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 woman Volme, that's the yeah. the woman in white that we're talking about, is Angie Milliken, and she's uh, like she's a bit of a like a theatre rock star in Australia. Oh, okay. Which I think is why she she got away with. I mean, she made some bold choices for her character. I am Volme. She speaks very slowly. Yes, and with like Shatner-esque so pauses. Weird. And like she blinks one eye at a time, which is oh, super. Oh, I haven't noticed that. Oh, it's so weird but to I, look at. It would help with the disconcerting appearance that she is uh, clearly cultivating. And she's got those, these weird, uh, they're not dreadlocks, but they're like uh, yeah, braids, they're I like, suppose, tight braids. I see what you mean. She's got the she's got the white people dreads, and she's got like super red eyes. It's like, oh, you've been at the catnip, lady. <laughs> so yeah, she's kind of inverted from all the rest of the Sicarans yeah, that we that point. we've seen. Yeah. She addresses these newcomers because apparently Sicar doesn't get a lot of newcomers, despite the fact, no. like they're in a pretty huge, like cube shaped city in what looked like a, a, a sort of a, a pastoral wilderness. Like, the, the, the way that these people are dressed, which is all of these, right. you know, like loose fabrics, like vests, but uh, like lots of exposed skin. Vietnamese farmers, like you see in Vietnam war movies. Like practical working clothing, right. uh, uh, loose pantaloons. I remember reading an interview with, uh, uh, with a costume designer who tried to approach uh, uh, the costumes of different species from a, from a sort of logical point of view. Yeah. Like in this case, okay, well, a little bit of a spoiler. We know that a lot of these people are working out in the fields. Right. And apparently, like this species, tans maroon. Oh, okay. That's why everyone is, is, is red uh, versus like uh, Volme is also Sakaran. She Who's, doesn't go out in the field. She stays inside. Yeah, and she's completely white. Yeah, she's got like almost translucent skin. You can yeah. see the veins. You can see this this sort of honeycomb mottling as well, like these these circular spots right, to, yeah. of texture, maybe like uh, maybe like scales. But yeah, everybody else uh, uh, turns red. And in cultures where a tan is cool, you want to show it off, and you wear yeah. white. Versus in cultures where a tan is kind of an indicator of lower status, you wear colors that sort of match the tan to hide it. So yes. here, everyone's wearing red, which is sort of. Bleached seems, by the sun as well, right? But it seems to be like not not just a fashion choice, but more of a cultural thing as well. Because like later on, the other uh, yes, uh, yeah, the, the the heroes of the show also get offered red clothes. It may be a status thing because she's okay. wearing she's she's got white skin and she's wearing white clothes, yeah. and all of the the, the laborers, which is basically everyone, are wearing red. And her craftwork guardians, um, they're wearing black as well. And yeah, you've got black some, and some, red, yeah, yeah. And you've got some people out of the paddies wearing uh, wearing black hats. Wow, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Okay, so Zan does this beautiful greeting with her. I am Pa'uzotar Zan. This is John Crichton, Aaron Sun, and his eminence, Domina Rigel the Sixteenth. Yes, she does the two hands up, does Volme, and then right. she comes in with a, with a two-handed swipe. Kind of like swoops it together and rubs it all over her. And like, yeah. I, I'm engulfing myself in your presence or Anointing something like that. Anointing myself with your yes. glory. Yeah. It was, a very, it was a very beautiful thing. And I, I almost thought at that point that she was also a priestess of the same order as uh, right. Zan was or something along those lines. But I don't, that, that never materialized. So I guess this must be some sort of different cultural greeting that's... I think that's a that's a really interesting. Like either there is some sign, some kind of like universal greeting gesture that that people understand, or which personally is is my theory, uh, when you meet someone that's clearly of a different species, you make the best effort gesture that you have for for welcoming, which yeah. is usually like open hands, is pretty yeah. pretty universal, yeah. and then you accept whatever they do, and, and you, you kind of copy of that, yeah, try to, to integrate it because yeah. like Crichton gives the peace sign. Oh, yeah. He gives two th- two fingers up. <laughs> they have a little chat with Volme, the the woman in white who welcomes them to the planet. It is a pleasure to welcome you to Sycar. Like, Please stay as long as you want. Eat, drink, be merry. Yes. For tomorrow is a rest day. Ah, yes. Now Aaron is a little suspicious. She gives me a woody. She gives me a woody. That's oh. what she says. Oh, no, yes. <laughs> Which gets corrected by Crichton into the willies. She gives you the willies. It's like, which <laughs> yes, I thought was a brilliant, like, exactly. completely misgrabbing and still staying on the same subject. Which... Exactly. I mean, this was, I, I, I bet this was an American writer who didn't understand just how funny it is to British and Australians right. where, like, who would take a willy over a woody any day of the week? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, 
two different states of matter, I would say. But <laughs> yes. Oh, very scientific method of you. Yes. I guess this is Aaron's first ex- exposure to uh, to the scientific method. <laughs> well, he's going to get a lot more of that. Yes. Um, uh, uh, and speaking of getting a lot more of that, that's Dargo. He gets uh, uh, he gets tempted away by uh, by his his two his girlfriends, lady yes. friends, uh, and says, "Tomorrow I'll show you all around because it's uh, tomorrow uh, is the big rest, the day. rest day." Yeah. There's some unintelligible announcement. At least for the viewers. Yes, they've got the, the productivity PA. Yes. And the party just shuts down. Yeah, everybody, everybody goes, goes home. home. And everybody's fine with it. And uh, Crichton observes that that's a little weird. This must be a primitive planet. Definitely a simple people. They never heard of the last call. Dargo disappears with his girlfriends. And uh, Zahn and Crichton are grabbed by the girl we will later learn. is called Tanga, I believe. Oh, very good. I didn't even have her in my notes. Yeah. Yeah, she's got uh, she's got sort of Mad Max hair. She humps him against the wall and tells him, "Whatever you see, whatever you hear, don't leave." You must stay. Which is kind of in line with what they've been told by the Ball Queen, which was also said like, "Stay," you know. Yeah. So at that point, I was like sitting there, like, "Okay, so what's going on here? It's like, are they like working together? Are these two sides of the same coin? Right. Is there something going on?" It's like I was really, I wouldn't say I was confused, but I was like, "Okay." Yeah. wondering about where There's this was going to go. There. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, there are two people who can't stay, which is Erin, who, like, she can manage this heat while it's night. You're right, as long as it's night. This is night. And, of course, Rigel, who gets an attempt on his life, is made. The bastards are trying to kill me! <laughs> yes, he uh, he's feeling a little ill after having indulged in the, he's in the bar. He's been stuffing himself. Like, the first part, like, in the bar, he's just eating he's and eating and eating. eating. Yes. And he and he and he staggers off, and I was reminded of one of my favourite songs, "The Scotsman," wandered off into the grass. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, well, in this case, well, while he's relieving himself, he lifts his kilt, and yeah, yes. <laughs> but there's an explosion, and like Rigel is completely distraught. A bomb, mere hinters from where I was hovering. A bomb. Explosions all around him. Aaron observes. Why would they want to kill you? They don't know you. <laughs> yeah. It's only people who know you who want to kill you. And she offers, since she's since he's also not well and unsafe, uh, she's going to take him up to the uh, Back to, to the Moya, ship. yeah. Which sort of completes like all her priorities. Like she's got herself out of the heat. She's got her prowler back, which is important to her. Hopefully, yeah. she'll lock it this time. And meanwhile, John and Zan stay behind to see what's up with Dargo. Look, Woodstock has done something to his head. No, this is not normal behavior. He's so content and happy to stay there. I mean, he did get to mate, I suppose, so that makes sense that that oh, yeah. got the hyper-rage out of him. But yeah, they yeah ask- so they're not too suspicious, that's right. So apparently they ask around a bit and they show up at Dargo's apartment. Yeah, you stand out amongst your neighbors. Which has been provided to him by the state. You have your own apartment, it's nice. It is provided. Feel free to sleep here on the floor. And uh, yeah, he's always going uh, Cirque du Soleil going yeah. on in his bedroom. I'm, he offers yeah, them the floor. Oh, yeah, very good point. <laughs> and there's like there's, there's a long drawn out scene where Zan is standing behind a screen undressing, and I'm just like, how long does it take for her to take that one dress? Yeah, off? She's, she's done got... it in seconds before, and yet there's like a minute long scene where she's like undressing and <laughs> yeah, and also she's comfortable with nudity exactly. It's it's fine with her. I guess, well, I guess she's doing it for, uh, for, for his John's, sake. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, he's still not very comfortable. He says, oh, as soon as he realizes, oh, you can have the, the bed because Dargo had this cool fold-out bed that comes right. out of the wall. Yes. You take the mattress, I'm, I'm good on the floor. Don't be silly, John. You'll be cold and uncomfortable. There's plenty of room for two. Meanwhile, back on Moya, it, it turns out that the, scutt- the scuttlebots are getting another bit of the short end of the stick again. Yes, there is another attack. There are explosions happening. Erin's got her pulse rifle. Help me! She's homing in on where uh, where Rigel is calling for help and where all the explosions are coming yes. from. The pilot is saying, like, okay, yeah, it's like this, this explosion was not related to the ship. It's something external. Uh, yeah, pilot is so on the ball. You notice how anytime we see him, all of his 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 claws are, are moving and operating yes. controls. Like, this is just constant for him. And at this point, I was, like, thinking, okay, so um, Rigel's overeating is causing him to have explosive flatulence or something. There have been various <laughs> jokes about his bodily yeah. uh, functions in the past, so th- this is immediately where my mind was going. See, now, I, I, I sort of rejected that hypothesis immediately because I knew from previous experience that his flatulence is helium. You fart helium? And helium is inert. I know. Cannot possibly. I mean, it might have got something to do with the local food. Oh, you think sometimes he has hydrogen farts? I don't know. It could be. It makes sense. That would be dangerous. It would be. Boom! 
but it turns out that like she catches a drop of his sweat on the barrel of her rifle, and it that's actually a very threatening she, scene where she goes like, yeah. "Don't move!" and she like pokes this gun right into right his face. Right in his face. Don't move. Uses it as a swab to yep. catch a little bit of the, the 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 slime, and then she tosses that. <laughs> Between two DRDs, yep. and there's another explosion because and apparently his bodily fluids turned explosive. Something Yikes. has happened to him, and they have become explosive. She reports this in with Crichton, who wakes up in the middle of the night and is not very communicative to well, her. He was already waking up because, like, uh, oh, yes. Zahn rolls over in uh, her <laughs> sleep and ends up with her hand on his groin and just just goes straight for the crotch grab, like. It didn't even look like just oh casually just rolling over. It's like her 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 id, her yeah. her con- conscious self. Like, I'll grab myself some some man man meat and right now. And he just like tastefully moves her hand to the side, yeah. and then she is like uh, she doesn't notice, and he gets into a discussion with Erin uh, uh, about this. And this is interesting because at this point again, she clearly acknowledges that Crichton is the scientist here. No, I'm not the scientist. I know that. Yes, that's right. So this goes like, she, I need you up here. You, you need to come up here and do science for me. Yeah, because we need to figure this out. Yeah. And Crichton's uh, uh, dismissive. He's sort of tired. Like, like, no, I don't have I've time got, for this. I've got other concerns on my head here. Figure it out with uh, with Pilot. But yeah, like she's doing the sensible thing. She is asking an expert to perform the function that he's uh, that he's best at. Yes, that he's apparently been performing in the past. She barks again at his uh, at his advice. He says that she's got to use the scanner in the med bay. He's like, uh, scanner? Uh. Text using, not infantry. Those have cooties. We don't yeah, touch if those. It's not a, if it's not a radar on a fighter, then I'm not using any scanners. Yeah, he shuts her off. And I've got to say, Crichton does this a lot throughout the episode. Anytime that, that Aaron reports in with a perfectly normal like status update and a request for just a, a basic debriefing, he freaks out like he doesn't have enough time, like there's, we can't yes. deal with this right now. He's, He's being seen, super unreasonable. And in a stunning role reversal, when they wake up in the morning, Crichton <laughs> has got his hand on Zahn's butt. Yes, and, he's, he's taken his sleep revenge and, with, the, with the butt grab and nuzzled in between his shoulder blades. Yep. And her response is, Good morning, John. Again, she, I mean, she's perfectly casual. She's happy with it. She's like, she's not bothered. Yeah, uh, exactly. We were asleep. Yeah. Like, why would you be bothered by someone's behavior while they were asleep? Like, it's perfectly innocent. They start their morning routine. And this is where it like, okay, again, my suspicions have started kicking up. It's like, oh, is this like the same day again? I've already forgotten the name of the episode at this point. So Yes, thank God it's Friday again. again. Which, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, like today's not a day off. Today is the last day of the work cycle. We see the we see the city again from the outside, but this time in the in in the sun, and it's kind of cool because it's sort of like a it looks like a big grain silo. Yeah, you're right. It looks like a big with a, a hopper. With, yeah, one of those. Yeah, so it's like a like a funnel toward the, the the bottom, and it's got these columns holding it up. Yeah, you're right. It does look exactly like that, huh? So, and people are filing towards work, and there's like a weird station at which people are some people are picking up food and not everybody is or at least they're picking up things from there and yeah there's a lot of just food stations you could just walk yeah. by and people like holding trays and yeah, i almost said trains which we haven't mentioned either ah the yeah. train car plays such a big role right. in the in the episode we've seen it in the background at, uh, at this point although i didn't yeah. didn't register it sort of looks like a like a chinese restaurant kind of it does a bit you know it's yeah. got the the red lacquered outside and the yeah. gold uh, gold filigree um, it plays a bit more of a role now because we, we see trains moving through the fields, which yes, is what is outside the city. Where everybody is moving towards. There's more people like uh, standing in, in the black robes, like the black hats and the darker robes, which are also handing out food packets to other, to some people. Yeah, people uh, can just pick them up as, yeah. they're, as they're walking past. And everybody goes to do their happy little work day out in the field. Um, so Zan follows uh, 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 follows Darko. Crichton Crichton's looking around, and then he gets grabbed. Yes, by uh, what did you call her? Tanga, I believe she's called. Tanga, very yeah. good. Uh, uh, by 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 Tanga, uh, grabbed into the conspiracy train, which <laughs> <Yes>. is <laughs> where everybody drops the food. Uh, it, it was a bit of a Matrix scene, very much so. It was like right? it, it had in the that back same of the car, where wor- wriggly worm thing, which got stuffed into his belly button. Into his, yeah. And, uh, which is, I mean, it's kind of cool because the the first Matrix film where that occurs, where it's actually like a, a worm being extracted from his belly button in the back yeah. of the car, also filmed in Sydney. Ah, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, he gets hey, told and like- also with a white-haired woman. Yes. It's one of the Zion rebels. What What's she called? Switch. They suck it out of his belly button there and run. I was kind of like, I called her a woman. In the original script, she was supposed to be played by a male actor in, uh, right. in the real world Which or vice versa. Which is where she was versa. called Switch. Yeah. yeah. She was uh, one of the trans characters. 
I mean, the whole Matrix is one big trans allegory, anyway. So a really yes. good one, like yeah. Smith dead naming him all the time. But yeah, so we've got we've got Australian actors, we've got uh, we've got white hair, we've got a few parallels going on. The Matrix worm wiggling into his belly. Yeah. Ugh. And Zahn having a discussion with Dargo, which I thought had a bit of a weird contradiction. At first, she starts Hmm. with saying, like, oh, you can't decide that you want to live here so fast. And immediately afterwards, she says that, like, oh, but deciding that I wanted to be part of the order was a split-second thing happening. Which I I thought thought was a very weird... Yeah. So uh, I actually thought that that was kind of cool, that she was open-minded enough to be convinced. But you're right. It is incredibly fast. Um, but she is snacking on these on these roots in the in the At meantime. At this point, she is eating. Yes. So that must be must be helping. I mean, it is a, a actually this is really well written then because it is a logical progression for her to think about. Okay, she she came here with the idea that Dargo his behavior has changed way too rapidly, right. and then she is reminded. I mean, she talks about how she found her her faith in prison. Yes. Uh, she she joined the Delvian Seek and tried to become a priest, which, how, by the way, do you get ordained when you're away from your planet? Mm, and don't know. Maybe she like just, the, she did an online course, I suppose, like well, reintegration in from prison. Although it doesn't seem to be a, a, a very much a peacefinder type thing. Peacefinder? No. Uh, peacemaker, whatever they're called. <laughs> well, I guess if I was a prisoner on a, on a living ship, I'd have a lot of time to self-ordain all yeah, day long there you anyway. Go. Yeah, well. well. Okay. <laughs> I love these conversations between, between uh, uh, Dargo and Zan. Like... It's kind of a shame that neither of them gets have have gotten that much to do with the rest of the characters so far. Like they, uh, uh, I mean, this is the first time that Dargo gets to do something against his shouty, blustery. Uh, yes, uh, 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 I thought you know, it was, must be an interesting thing for the actor to uh, actually yeah. get a little bit of a different uh, different way to play his character. And there's a logic to it as well. Like he observes when 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 she said, "But Dargo, you were a warrior," and he observes, "I'm no warrior." I've been a prisoner now and a fugitive longer than I was ever a warrior. That is entirely correct. Oh, I guess it got brought on by the weird food here, but it's still a valid point. Exactly, exactly. Which I think is is, is so well done in this uh, in this episode. Like, it is a completely logical transition, but it is, as you observed, it's way too fast, and that has to be a function of this food that they're eating because that's what Tanga and her dad and I guess her brother, who some kidnapped right, yeah. uh, Crichton, tell him. That the worm protects you, uh, oh, yes. and you have to eat, and the pain goes away. Yeah, understand me. You must eat. We find out later how that works exactly. But in the meantime, there's a flashback to the ship where Eren has progress fr- has been made. Yeah, Eren has frozen Rigel, and we get to see uh, Rigel's woolies. Well, uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I was going to say tighty whities but they're not very tight and they're not very white either. No, they're sort of. But, it's sort of like. Pasted on like plaster cast it is that he's got much. as as it, undies, and they go all the way up his belly. I only noticed in the second shot that it was actually his underwear that he was wearing. It, right, he was not, and that he was not like featureless. Like let's call it that. Um, ah, these features might be on the inside. We don't know. True, true, true. Uh, and also noticed that like the pilot uses Aaron's full name. Aaron's son. Aaron's son. Aaron's son. I guess he does that to get people's attention. Your Eminence, I beg you, Commander Crichton, Cardago, Paul Zotto. And we learn that the pilot is bonded to the Leviathan. I, I figured that you would write that down. Yes, yes. So tell us what you learned about that. Well, uh, it's confirmed that the pilot and the Leviathan have a certain bond. And uh, yeah, it's not said anything about how this bonding, if it's if it's only a mental bond or if it's a physical bond or maybe right. both. But I thought it was a very, uh, yeah, this is the first time we learn anything concrete about that relationship. Right, because what were your what were your theories prior to that, or I should say hypotheses? Okay, I had several. Um, yeah. I thought he could just be part of Moya, where he was just like you know a living interface, the ship's computer. Oh uh, wow, that could like, have been yeah. it. Uh, just like a like a like a growth on her brain, like a vocal yeah, something interface. Like that. Yes. Uh, wow. Or he could have been a symbiote, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. Or he could have been like yes, an entirely separate ent- entity who yeah. for some reason just didn't like to get out of his room or off the bridge. You know, well, it's not the bridge because it's the pilot's quarter. It's the pilot's room. Like, oh, yeah. The bridge we've is been, different. We've been calling it the bridge this whole time. Apparently it's called the command. You're needed in the command. Come up to command. Our objective is the command. This is Aaron. I'm in the command. So that one's the command, and then he's in his den. It's called the pilot's, right, the den. pilot's den. So I'm leaning a little bit more towards the fact that he's a symbiote of some sorts now. You know, like, yeah, a little bit like the Trill in uh, Star Trek, where, ah, where yes. they have like these humanoid bodies, and they're like just some sort of brain bug themselves, really. Uh, <laughs> so it's something like that. And then I guess like he's Moya's worm. Yes. Just like, uh, but more. Everybody has worms now. I got a worm in my gut crawling around down in places where the sun don't shine, and I'm sick of it, okay? So for the moment, would you just shut up and help? 
I mean, everybody has like more bacteria inside them that are not them than they have living cells that they are them. So, uh, yeah, that one always kind of freaks me out. But I guess like muscle cells are huge. If you yes, if you, they are. <laughs> so it kind of, they have multiple cores, but they do fuse over over time. Look, lots of science stuff, but this is this is something that that Aaron sort of struggles with, like. I'm, I kind of regret that we didn't get to see how how Rigel was frozen because he just shows up. Yes, as this. and he's just hanging there over this dripping tray. Are you sure he's still alive? He's in cryostasis. He should be fine. Mm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she she pokes at him and snaps off one of his <laughs> one of his whiskers, which <laughs> remained snapped off later on. I know because they were like yes. the continuity did a good job on that one. <laughs> yes, and pilot advises her. I strongly suggest you don't touch any other protuberances. Pilot and Aaron actually have a bit of a moment there, and I didn't quite yeah. caught what happened there because, like, the pilot confesses something that he says that they that he preferred that they don't know something, and it's like it, it remained unclear to me what it was. So uh, I caught that as well. Uh, uh, like, I was really, I was really like focused on this scene because this is the first time that we see uh, uh, pilots appearing in something other than the clamshell. Like, now he's got this sort of... It looks sort of like a flower. It's got petals all around him. Yes. Uh, producing a hologram of, of Pilot, which is uh, just just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was really paying attention. Now, he talks about how when Leviathans are born with a complete databank of scientific knowledge... Right. yes. ...that he uh, accesses and studies and barely understands. And, okay, so that's something that he's embarrassed about, that he doesn't fully understand all of the scientific knowledge that, uh, that Leviathans have... But nobody ever assumed that he did, did. I no. thought. It seems weird, yeah. I mean, unless that is common knowledge, but then why wouldn't Erin know about it when she was operating? And and why wouldn't they know that a pilot has to learn that himself as well? Which clearly shows that they have separate minds then from the Leviathans. Right, uh, yes, as well. But I guess that was that was a, a pilot trying to relate to her insecurity and her sense of inadequacy by sharing his own, even though his, he has no reason to be embarrassed about that. Nobody has these expectations of him to be able to solve advanced scientific equations. No, it doesn't seem like his job is to fly the ship. Repeat what the computer says. Um, <laughs> yes, and her job is to do the science because the scanner that they need to figure out what's wrong with, with Rigel... The scanner is auxiliary to Moyer's systems. I'm afraid I can't access it. After the pep talk from uh, Pilot, uh, she actually starts making progress towards figuring out what's going on. Yep. Crichton, on the other hand, is not. He is lying in bed. He's been writhing in illness all day long. He's been. Uh, uh, he woke up feeling feeling absolutely terrible. He had the wibble wobbles. Yep. Uh, uh, real bad. He he gorged himself on on uh, the roots that everybody's eating. You must eat. Uh, uh, eating and puking and eating and puking. And that's how a, a newly contented Zan and, uh, and Dargo find him. John, I've been wondering what happened to you all day. Uh, uh, have you just been here all day? And Zan talks about like how cool it is to have mud on your fingers. And it's so, oh, it's so satisfying, and John. And feels so oh, happy. And it feels so good. I'll get you some clothes, says Dargo, so we can all be wrapped in maroon. It's yes. gorgeous. And she does look very good in red, and but even uh, right, and even Crichton gets in, gets his red outfit on because he's been told to play along. He's yeah. been told, told like, yeah, make sure that you don't stand out, make sure that you act happy, to make sure that like you smile and act like they do, and that otherwise they will catch on that you've been like uh, you have the worm and that you're not being uh, infected by the thing, by the tannet root, That's which is what, what they yeah. what they grow there. It's in all of their food and all of their drink, and it's what makes them so docile. They talk about how the worm that they gave him... It thrives on the toxin that is within the tenant. Um, Eats the poison, basically. Yeah. yeah. So no wonder, like, he woke up with that worm inside him, craving something that was not in his body, like yep. consuming whatever else, uh, whatever other nutrients it could get. And he had to, uh, yeah, stuff the local foodstuffs in him to make sure that the worm gets fed. So he can eat that without being affected the way that everybody is, except for uh, uh, Tanga and her dad. Um, Who seem to be naturally resistant yeah, to the stuff. Immune. Which, I mean, it makes sense, like a small... Small part of the population is going to be resistant to pretty much whatever you throw at them. Yeah, exactly. Might and so they diff- pretend to be Lotus Eater, and oh, uh, yes. uh, he has to. Crichton has to practice it immediately because Volme comes over. Did you notice that she does the peace sign? Yeah, to him? she flashes it back to him. <laughs> Which is yeah. That's why I think like apparently you just 
you make the gesture that works for you and you accept whatever they do and you show that you remember. Basically, that's what like the whole greeting culture is all about, you know? Like, yeah. You show a little bit, I'm not a threat and like I recognize you and... Yeah, remember uh, each other's names. So I like that Volme did that. Yes. Crichton does... Ben Browder does a great impersonation of just... Stone, oh, yeah, stoner, so yeah. hey, college. I'm so cool, and like, <laughs> yeah. everything's fine, it's and we're so great. Yeah. It's just great, man. It's, I mean, it's just... It's great. Also, the thing we also learned from Tank and her friends is that apparently these uh, tenets are being harvested for the others. What others? Yes. Which we don't know anything about yet at that point. Yeah, that's sinister. Yes, the others are, are making them. They came here and they made us grow this stuff. Yeah, which sort of ties together what, what Crichton noticed earlier. Like, this this city is falling apart. The city is falling apart around them and they, they, they just don't seem to care. Like, yeah. nobody's maintaining it. No, they're just uh, working to make the stuff. Progress is working in reverse here. And, uh, I mean, we learn later from uh, Tanga that it's not just that. It's like also the planet is going apart. The, the whole monoculture that they're only growing this route. Uh, oh, yeah, and it's, completely it's devastating it's destroying the, the planet. System. Yeah. Uh, uh, and killing the people because it's enslaving them in this uh, in this way. It's yeah. all all bad news. Um, but Crichton uh, manages to to stay undercover. He uh, uh, he convinces Volme that he's one of them. He, he eats, eats some of the food yeah. where she can see, and she seems like very happy to see that he's like yeah, nicely. She kind of made a point to make sure that right. he eats some. Eat and enjoy. And she asks him about her ship and, like, says that, like, oh, you must get the others to come down here as well. And how big is your ship? And how much cargo would it hold? And, like, <laughs> yes, super cash about it. Yeah. Well, she tries. Let's put it like that. Uh, and he's accommodating because he has to be. Uh, I also like his outfit in this. Like, he should, he shows oh, off his guns a lot. He does, he does. He's, he's like, got back to the... Space Aladdin uh, thing going yes. on. He's got the munchies, Rigel's in his undies, and we're back to the science, and we get, oh, the scientific instrument that Aaron's using is this cool CRT monitor. Oh, yeah? Did you notice that with all the... Well, all I, the I noticed it, but it didn't jump out to me at being It's got, like, rivets. I mean, in a, in, a, in a craft where you've got, like, holographic interfaces, oh. and then you've got this, this I guess, sort of... Tandy, almost toy-like okay, uh, no, uh, video monitor. It hadn't jumped out at me, I must say. And she's this point where she already discovers what's going on, that there's something in the food that's being turned into explosives by Rigel's body chemistry. To her astonishment. Like, she's, yeah. wait, I did it? And uh, no, uh, I just helped you do it, Pilot. And Pilot said, no. No, Aronson, it was you. <laughs> it was me. Oh, it was you all along. It's like, ah... <laughs> And so she reports back to Crichton, a really exciting and relevant find, and, and Crichton is again. He pretty much blows her off. It's like, yeah, whatever, get here. That's good, Aaron. That's good. He's being a total shit yes. She's done, like, amazing and, like, been on this discovery and, like, actually figured out what's going on. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but he's busy. Oh, I, I kind of like that he he hid his uh, his communicator, his uh, his oh, yeah, on the inside of his jacket, where he like flaps it open, he talks into his jacket, and <laughs> yeah. it's like covers it with his hat. Yeah. He's being super while leaning against the conspiracy train, where he grabs uh, Tanga and pulls her inside. Yes, for a little uh, one on one. A little wants uh, to find out what's going. And this is actually this is where he finds out about the planet being destroyed and uh, that they're just farming this stuff for the others, and that they come back twice, once or twice a year, and collect all the plants that have been harvested, the space turnips. I have been out in the sun all day long picking up magic turnips at this point i realize anytime we see the train oh there's going to be betrayal and conspiracy it's sort of like in in game of thrones uh -huh. when you see some people walking through a garden oh someone's going to get killed well <laughs> or at least they're like making oh, uh, making go. plans for it yes Just, yeah and um volme comes back and like talks to uh, uh Crichton again and yeah and he does the imhotep it's like <laughs> oh <come on. laughs> yes and she like invites him to go for a little wander around and she so shows him some more of the space turnips and the, they sort of reminded me of fraggle radishes a little bit yes also I mean, jim henson, jim henson thing. yes <laughs> volme approaches him in the bar at the end of this uh, this work day because oh tomorrow is a rest day yes we'll and at this point it's really cemented in that yeah okay there's like they're being it's, tiddly winked and, uh, yeah, like every day is this. This is apparently how they're being controlled by the by the others. And then Volme asks to uh, to talk to him briefly, and he's like, "Okay, cool, yeah, sure, sure. yeah, we'll, I'll go with you, sure, whatever you say." And now it's quiet for the first time. So mm. it's like a it's like an industrial yes. sort of sort of corridor, and her guards stay behind, and it's and it's quiet. She asks a little bit more about, and space is cold, isn't it? Yes, I hear space 
is very cold, black, and cold. Things that life here is not. Yeah, uh, and it's and she seems spaced out herself, to be honest. Yeah, but also really, really intense. And and she walks him through a door over which we saw the peacekeeper the, logo. Yeah, the and, and, and the, Crichton re- recognizes it, and he goes like, "Oh, oh shit. yeah." And these these huge huge stacks and, and and like trains of this is this this is the harvest that they come back for every every six months. It's peacekeepers. Peacekeepers. Yes. No. Who have done this to this planet? Yep. And she asks him like, "How big is Moya? Can can she hold this cargo?" And well, not all, all of it, it but, but so it gives an impression that Moya could uh, hold quite a bit. And she's like figured out like oh, this stuff is like if it's valuable to the others. It must have value elsewhere. And she's clearly like planning on making a run for it. Like, the, yeah, I got that impression as well. Like she's in it for herself. She yeah. talks about I don't need to to bring all of it. No, she's like clearly not interested in saving her people. She convinces herself that uh, she's still uh, in control, and uh, Crichton plays along with it. But now he knows what's going on. Because he knows that the peacekeepers are involved. Then he immediately runs to Eren, who's come back down to the planet with uh, Rigel. Yeah, and she, again, she has very relevant information, and she all she wants from him is a status update, and he just gives her clipped bullshit. Like, I don't have time. I have had a hell of a day. Like, dude, just just say what happened. It doesn't take a lot of time. Yes. She can be, she can piece it together for you. She's the new scientist. Uh, he does get a little grin on her face and goes like, oh, look who's Mary Curie now. And she goes like, huh? Madam Curie, she's... She's a scientist. Scientist. Yes. More weird, weird <laughs> ass references yeah. that you really should know by now make no sense to anybody else. <laughs> no, exactly. But he keeps just like using these Earth references and yeah. Oh, earlier he talked about uh, 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 Mad Max that he when he when he saw the people on Sidecar for the first oh, time that right. he got like um, um... Mel Gibson, Tina Turner, Cage Match. <sighs> what? Oh, don't worry, nobody saw the third one anyway. I almost said Mel Brooks and Tina Turner. That would have been a hell of a movie. <laughs> Do you know that Virginia Hay, the actress who plays Zan, yeah. she was in Mad Max 2. Oh, as what? Well, I guess as one, of the, to, wilderness, one right, of the wilderness makes, people. Makes sense. But, you know, she was a sexy she six-foot-something person in yeah. uh, uh, in Australia. Yeah, of course she's going to be cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we get the the uh, uh, the showdown because apparently uh, a Crichton, Aaron, and Rigel concoct yeah. a concoct a plan. They are back in uh, back in force. The the confrontation with Volme, who insists that they bring the the, the ship down, uh, and he says no. Bring them to me. No, I don't think so. And she looked shocked at first. She had no idea that he was. Yeah, uh, and- she thought that she had the upper hand. And they show her. Uh, they give her a little demonstration. Now, Rigel. Now, Rigel. Rigel, now. Now! now. Turns out Rigel's a little bit piss shy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, Dargo and Zan have showed up. Dargo has grabbed the pulse rifle, uh, uh, and he's very upset with his friends for disturbing the contentment of this planet. Yes. This is my home now, John. I'm happy here. I will not let you destroy that. If necessary, I will destroy you first. Uh, things are looking very tense for our heroes and their and their allies until Rigel gets his bladder under control. Does uh, a little neon green stream spurting all over the place, which explode <laughs> yes. into fireballs upon the uh, impact. It was very fortunate that he was stationed up there and could, yeah, and could mean, do a perfect arc. I over suppose they kind of like worked that out. I mean, it's a it's a bit of the production thing. They talked about that a lot. How Rigel is a character, but he's also an extremely elaborate and complicated puppet. Oh, and yeah. so, like moving him is not as easy as having a person m- move from room right. to room. I noticed that earlier in an episode when they, when they're walking from the bar the first time. Like they walk, and Rigel's already there, and you just kind of walk into <laughs> shot with him because yeah. it's <laughs> he's like the he's like Frank Drebin's captain in Police Squad, where every time that there's a there's a crime. My boss was already on the scene. Like yes. every time. Because <laughs> they've got to set him up. I'm like, yeah, Rigel, Rigel can't move around too much. So yeah, he's 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 pissing green. And this is where we finally realize what's happening. Because the tannet root that everyone's been eating, that's been making them uh, them slavish, that's been depleting the planet's uh, 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 soil nutrients, uh, that the others that we know the peacekeepers have been coming back for every six months can be converted into something of the other oil. What do they call it? It makes shakan oil. 
Chakan oil. Chakan oil, which is apparently what powers all of the peacekeepers' weapons. The pulse rifles, yeah, yeah. The little the little yellow bolts of light and the and the red bolts of light, like those are all apparently like burning high energy wads of oil. I mean, okay, that makes sense. That would explain the the slower than light laser bolts, you know. That's like actually cute little yeah, way to exactly. uh, get away with that. Because like, uh, it's actually, I mean, I, I see over your shoulder here now your cat, who uh, was our special guest on the first episode, as you yeah. as you recall, who sometimes has a habit of like licking her tummy a little bit more than she ought to. Yeah. And so you're a reminder that where you've got a little spray bottle where oh, you yes. just sort of squirt a little water over, <laughs> yes. which is kind of how these guns were. They're squirt guns. They're, well, yeah, basically flamethrowers, the, I suppose. The, yeah. They've got the check on, what is a flamethrower except a squirt gun very with true. No, an igniter. True. And it turns out that like all this production, which is destroying the planet, is like going towards the, the war machine. War machine. Yep. Yeah, very and good. It takes a little bit of convincing, but like for some reason they manage to convince all the people on the planet that they have to stop this, even though the fact that they are still in the thralls of the happy juice. Yeah. Now, in particular, the person that they needed to convince was Volme, because yeah. at, at this point, like she's convinced, she realizes this. Maybe she wasn't in it for herself this whole time after all. Maybe she wanted to get away from here, realizing that she couldn't individually right. save her, her Well, she has, she has the worm as well, we're told earlier in the episode. That's right. So she's not they, under the influence of the happy juice. Yeah, yeah. they give uh, uh, the others, the peacekeepers, they give right. the worm to certain people, and she's just a random person that was chosen. The other simply chose her from the crowd. It could have been any one of us. So there's a planetary revolution and everything gets turned around, although we don't actually see how that plays out. But they know it's going to be difficult. Like yeah. the, 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 the rebels, Tanga's dad says, you know, we're going to have to learn to fight. We, yeah. we now have these, we have ammunition. We know right. that. She, she, she says, like, I can t- teach you how to make the, t- make the oil out of the Tanga root. Uh, sorry, Tanit no, no, Root. root. Sorry, Tanga Root. Is, <laughs> no. I keep like confusing see, her name. And <laughs> we never see Tanga's root. She's no, got the hair back. Uh, yes. <laughs> Maybe this oil can also work for like uh, like hydrogen peroxide. I and, would like, not little... risk it. No, that's a very good point. <laughs> and yes, he gets his worm poked out of his by uh, Aaron. By Aaron, who is, like, who is doing... quite comfortable. And she at like this she point. does a little bit of worm waving, which I noticed that she's like w- wiggling it like an electric toothbrush or something like that. Do you know what one of those things is called? No, it's called a cat in a bag. Oh, it's a, a like it's an animatronic thing. Like Jim uh-huh. Henson's, they 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 have these where sometimes you have got to have like little wiggling worms, oh, and it's right. just like a an autonomous like armature that just moves around. Yeah, yeah. And you can put it in a bag, and then it's like there's a cat in oh, there. Oh, okay, that makes it's sense. Little, yeah, <laughs> it's a little I mean, cat in a bag. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm and surprised they, if it was anything else than a electric toothbrush or some sort of turny thing at an angle so that it makes this like worm-like movements. Do you notice how how Erin, I mean, she's got the gloves on, yeah. but now she's full-on science and she'll just do some surgery on, uh, yeah. uh, uh, she I followed mean, the instructions she was given. Yeah, they yeah, were right. I mean, it was easy. Combat surgeries, like this is probably more her kind of thing. Yeah. And Zahn is back to her serene self. I mean, her non-drugged serene self, I suppose. It's hard to tell sometimes yeah. with her, isn't it? Well, she's Maybe a little just... bit, it depends a little bit if she's like actually making sense or just talking happy. <laughs> It's an absolutely wonderful place. Rigel gets another barb in where he goes like, be, w- <laughs> yeah. be warned that I owe you one. And it's like something about venomous reply. And you, I'm like, okay, what does he owe you? Does he owe you a favor or does he owe you a venomous reply? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like I was just, I was furiously scribbling down every line in, in, in that bit because the whole dialogue was, was great. How about we, hey, how about we just listen to the dialogue? Okay, yeah. Hey, Rigel. Mm-hmm. What's up with her? Oh, she thinks she's a scientist now. False superiority! I am not a scientist. I am, however, what I have always been, and that is superior. If I were warmer, I would have an appropriately venomous reply. Be warned. I owe you one. Because that whole bit was actually great. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, there's a little bit of Moya's gut gurgling going on in the background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and like we see, we see Crichton, who is now recovered, heading toward the door. And Aaron calls him back uh, uh, and advises him, you know. I'd wait. Let Dargo come to you when he's ready. Now, at this point... I thought that he was ignoring her advice again because we see him turning around and walking toward the door. Yeah. I sort of figured he always gets the last word. He always gets the last scene and to, and to sort of look into the distance with melancholy. But no, the last scene is Dargo and Zan yes. talking about their Zan experience. Zan being back to the, the, the ship's counselor and Dargo having had enough of crimson for a little bit. He's back into his black pajamas. Oh, his black gi. It yeah. looks so good on him. He should wear that all the time. Uh, and he talks about how uh, he had two very different... Uh, visions for his life when he was a child. Oh, yes. One is a happy, uh, simple farmer and the other one is a brave warrior. And uh, and Zan comes in again with, 
Only two. Only two. Yes, I have, must have had hundreds. <laughs> and she like basically yeah. tells him, like, neither of these things is something that can just happen. Both have to be worked for. Yeah. And worked at, yeah. I suppose, is a better word for it. Those kinds of dreams cannot be found, brave Luxon. You have to build them. And I promise you, your hands are still strong. And there is plenty of time. Which... I think is maybe like the first time that they're going to have a plan for what they're going to do. Maybe oh. like, yeah, they've been coasting from from crisis to crisis, yeah. opportunity to opportunity. And now that they've had this experience, uh, uh, like this is a very valuable lesson. Okay, maybe we do need to build it for ourselves. Maybe we have some goals now rather yeah. than just like run from the peacekeepers. Okay, so let's have a bit of a review of this episode because I noticed that's something that we haven't really done before. So I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna let's think about well, some of the things one that big we can review of the episode. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but like we haven't played favorites. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Okay, so um, oh, let's think of some categories that we. Okay, no, I've got one. Who in this episode gave you a woody? Oh, oh, and you can interpret that how you like. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think definitely uh, Volmer gave me a woody. <laughs> yeah, she gave me a woody. The 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 heebies and the and yeah. the jeebies. And the, she was like well, well played, and yeah, this the slow talking. It's so weird, yeah, right? I haven't noticed the blinking, but it it probably unconsciously and like it contributes to the weirdness of the character i got an actual woody i think from Crichton in his uh yeah in his space aladdin outfit and oh, doing the okay. imhotep yeah yeah you know like it drunk was... easily influenced frat boy who may be interested in some things that he wouldn't admit to his buddies but hey it's a it's, yes. it's a party it's, it's amsterdam when on the planet of the uh ski hat people do us the <laughs> And I loved the train. Uh, I mean, it was just one car, and like we only see it, yeah, like, it was, zipping around in the background once, and the rest of it is just a static prop. Or even, it, it wasn't a prop. It no, was I'm, just there. Right. No, but like they, they went and used this location. This yeah. was the first like big location shoot, and the first time also that they had like a lot of extras. Yes. Which All of them conveniently human. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, that <laughs> it did. makes sense. Like you know, <laughs> you're you're right there. But like, imagine what it was like for the uh, for the production crew and for oh, the yeah. for the for the extras. You've got like fifty people, fifty actors who have done like soap operas, commercials, whatever, yeah. and they call in. Oh, Farscape, it's this. Oh, it's an American show. Okay, cool. I'll show up. Okay, well, we're just going to have to give you all these ski hats and make you up in maroon. Yeah. And you're going to have to do this sort of spastic bangra dance <laughs> where you sort of yeah, you know, just just be super weird yeah. about it. Oh, and just like look happy. And, and then they came to this location, which is, I, I believe it was like, uh, uh, oh yeah, it was on the other side of like a Chinese cemetery. Uh-huh. Uh, it was used as a theater space. And there was this train car there. And the production oh, okay. designer, Ricky Eyre, just went, ah, we're doing that, we're doing that. Oh, cool. I, and it was conveniently in the right color, I suppose. Uh, well, after we painted it, I think, uh, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And then that became like the like they rewrote the script to adapt. Like that became the conspiracy train where they right. could do all their scheming. And I noticed that most of the outdoor shots. Uh, involved in the train were conveniently framed to not show yeah. much of the surroundings. Yeah, exactly. So like, exactly. <laughs> and, they, and they added some CGI because it, right. it sort of makes sense that they no, had this advanced industry. And also, oh yeah, Volme mentioned my people never aspired this, to travel the stars. Oh, yes. But I, I kind of thought that was a little bit like, oh yeah, of course not, if you're drugged out of your minds and you're not going to aspire to anything. Oh, but, that's you true. Know, that, we have no idea how long this has been going on. Well, no, not that long because we know that her father... Um, was not Volmer's father, but uh, Tangra's father. Oh, was, uh, yeah. Like he used to be a, a musician or some of some sorts. Uh, yeah, something yeah. Something about his hand. So it, like it can't have been like more than twenty forty between twenty and forty years that this has been going on. Yeah, and it's been going on in the uncharted territories yeah. where the peacekeepers aren't supposed to go. Be, yes, and that's where they apparently do go. So and that's get a little some bit supri- supply, some of their supplies. <laughs> Did you have other any other moments that really stood out for Ooh, you? Um, I mean, you're on a quest to find out what the relationship between, is between right. pilot. Yeah, and no. So that was an, it. Was an interesting little tidbit. It like it 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 rules out a few options and it uh, suggests strongly towards some others. But like, yeah, we we still know very little concrete about it, other than that the pilot and uh, the ship are bonded. Yeah, but we still know very little about the nature of that bond. We learn a little bit more about uh, about Zan that uh, prior to her imprisonment, she was self-described a savage. Huh? Savage, capable of anything. I can't really 
picture her as Savage right? and how that would go. I mean, we saw her slam the, the staple head against the, oh, the, you yeah. know, the kid from Throne for, for a Loss. Right. She and, has it when it and counts. And threatened to rip his arm I off. I mean, she has it where it counts in many ways. But. <laughs> she most certainly does. Um, Favourites, like, costumes or design? I mean, there's, it's, it's mm, a, it was all a bit for the it, eyes. It was all a bit bland. I was, I mean, really? Everybody was wearing red, you know. It's like, and, I mean, the, the hats were cute and, the you know, everybody having white hair and all like that. So that was kind of interesting to see. But other than that, the city was very, like, industrial look. It is kind it, of monoculture in more than one yeah, way. In fact, uh, yeah. the city reminded me most of, I think, Equilibrium. It's like oh, yeah, the, the yeah. same feeling like that. Uh, the bare sort of stark yeah. concrete. Yeah, and, very brutal. You know, uh, very brutalist, brutalistic. Yeah. yeah, brutalist, that's the word, yeah. Yeah, it is a bit of a, like a planet of the nice hats where everyone has the same sort of culture. and, and But yeah, it's sort yeah. of like in this case, it kind of makes sense because they all have the same like environmental pressure on them. And True. their culture has kind of stopped because it's always Friday. Yeah, oh, God. Took me way too long to figure out uh, the uh, name of the episode, how that tied into there, mainly because I forgot it almost straight away. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's another bit of a time loop episode, similar to the in the a way, last yes. One. So, did you enjoy it? It was a great episode. I liked it. Yeah, they all are. Aren't yeah, they? it's very good. Show's really going strong, uh, and it's and it's really finding its uh, uh, its feet, uh, especially um, in the in in the next episode. So next week. Um, there's a bit of a spoiler. I know that you're going to announce it in just a second. Right. Uh, that's episode seven. That is the episode that is that's widely regarded as the moment that Farscape really found its voice. Okay. When it when Farscape became what it was going to be, uh, 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 where would, where it would evolve from from there. But the the experimental phase had finally succeeded. I'm already looking forward to it. And that's the story so Farscape. <laughs> We'll see you next week with episode 107, PK Tech Girl, where the hulk of the legendary peacekeeper ship, the Zelbinon, holds a pleasant surprise for Crichton, but Rigel must confront the time spent on the ship where he was tortured by the sadistic commander, Captain Durka, Ooh. while the crew work to reactivate the ship's shields to defend themselves from an attack. Uh, I can't wait. You can find us on So Farscape at Twitter and Facebook. I've got to get better at it. You can find us at So Farscape on Twitter and Facebook and on SoFarscape.com. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, escape so, so good. good.